0: I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible study. We're in Exodus chapter 22 this morning, Exodus chapter 22 and in verse 29 through 31. And we get a little bit of taste here. It's not a big taste, but it's a a little bit of taste of some laws or some directions that God is giving the children of Israel as far as offerings go. Now, the book of Exodus does not deal with offerings in great detail. A little bit. There'll be a little bit about burnt offerings coming down the road, and we'll go through uh, a little bit about that because it's important. But the book of Exodus really doesn't deal with offerings a lot. Uh, and you go, I, n- I never really liked the offerings, which animal and what, how we do it and all that kind of stuff. That's just my favorite part of scripture. And I understand that if they, if you're a regular studier of the Bible and you're going into offerings and you're going, I just don't like that. Boy, a lot of folks don't. That's not unusual. That being said, offerings are very important in Scripture. And in the Old Testament, they're very important because they give us a couple of things. First of all, they give us an insight into who Jesus is because he is the final sacrifice. He is the culminative sacrifice. He's the one that culminates all the—he he is the cumulative sacrifice of everything for the whole universe. Jesus is pictured in the sacrifices— <clears throat> that are spelled out in uh, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. He is the culmination of those sacrifices. They all point to him in some way. Each one of them give us some insight into that final sacrifice, which is Jesus. Now, the second uh, important thing about that is it it gives us insights into ourselves and uh, our relationship with God. Because remember, in the New Testament, we're taught that our bodies are living sacrifices, meaning our life is a sacrifice. And how we live our lives and how we how we do things each and every day is important. And who we are and uh, how we present ourselves, how we think, how we live, and those are two different things. The meditations of my heart, the thoughts of my mind, and then how that is lived out in the world I live in is important. And so how we do those things and how, how those things manifest themselves in our lives is is an important aspect of our offering. It is our service to God. It is how we serve God. Remember, Jesus said when he was asked, what, what must I do to have eternal life? When he's asked that question, he said that, that which you must do is to believe on the one the Father sent. And that means to place our faith in Jesus. So the work of of salvation. The work, and remember, salvation is God changing my heart and my mind to His will and His purpose. The work of salvation is faith. And, and but <clears throat> faith has certain outward outcomes. And we learned that from the book of James. Faith has faith comes about and is seen in what we say and in what we do. Our actions reflect what we believe. And our words reflect what we believe. Now, I'm not talking about like when you go to church on Sunday morning and you're, you're on point and you're ready to say the right things. I, I loved it when I used to teach uh, some youth Sunday school classes and the first answer to any question was always Jesus. And, you know, that <clears throat> in a very rudimentary way that that really is the answer to anything. Jesus is the answer. But it wasn't the answer to specific questions. If I say, where was Jesus born? The answer is not Jesus, it's Bethlehem. Now, Jesus is the important part of that story, but the answer is Bethlehem. And so oftentimes we just get into, we get into just Jesus is the answer. That's not that we we, we have to have, we have to have more than, that you have to understand that your faith is an action. It it derives from you, your your what, who you are as a believer, who you are as a person, it, it starts with the faith, but it comes out in the book of James, it, it, the Bible says, James says, look, it comes out in what I say when life is happening, not just when I'm ready to give the answer. It's It comes out in what I do when when I'm just a- operating on instinct, when I'm just operating on it's time to act and, and this is my action. And so my actions and my words reflect what I believe. And they're great barometers for that. They're great barometers for that. And so my life is a living sacrifice. And so I can look and say, when this happened, this is how I reacted. When this happened, this is what I believe to be true. And then when I realized that my actions or my words don't reflect what I say I believe, when I realized that, when it comes out in my mind, in my and I, I, I see it. It's it's alive. I go, why don't I believe that? And then that's when you begin to learn how to place your faith in Jesus in all situations. When you learn how to engage your faith in everything, and then that's when real change takes place in your heart and your mind. So we, we hear people, we I want change to happen. We need to have change. The truth is, the only real change that ever changed anything in the world is is us taking on the mind of Christ, us taking on the will of the Father, and rejecting our own broken and lost wills and ways. That's the only way for it ever happen, and the only way for real change to take place in the heart of anybody, and therefore real change to take place in the world, is that human beings place their faith in jesus christ that's when real change takes place that's how you can run into somebody who is one way and then now that they have a relationship with jesus they they are different now are they still subject to go back to that old man yeah but they're really different they're changed and so the way you do that is you have to make your life a living sacrifice you have to you have to sacrifice your old self so that you can have the fullness of the life God has given you through Jesus Christ, eternal life, and that's just a little direction right there, and when we get to the end of chapter twenty two God gives them some directions. He says, "Do not hold back offerings for the from the your granaries or your vats now you as you read that, you go, "I have no idea what that means." first of all, you need to look at it, and just anytime you look at a law, we we'll always break it down and and as a lawyer, that's the important way to do it. You break down break it down into its sections. you really literally break the sentence down. I right, hold back. What that means is in some ways, I'm not giving my all. You, you may give a little, but you don't give you don't give all of what's uh, required. And so what God's saying is you can't give a sacrifice that's a part sacrifice. That won't work. That's not how that's not how it uh, should that's not how it should uh, take place. and you should not give just part of yourself now when he says from your granaries or your vats that's talking about not burnt offering sacrifices that's not sacrifice for sin that's fellowship sacrifices and you're going to find that grain offerings and cake offerings and things like that as you study through scripture are offerings for fellowship and and if you come from a baptist or methodist background out there that we love some potluck dinners and we love some dinner on the ground and we there ain't nothing better than some covered dish fellowship suppers that's what it's about and 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 those are where we come and bring our food and we eat together in many ways i want you to tie that off in your mind in many ways that is what the grain offerings were and the cake offerings and the wave offerings those are all those offerings have, have to do with fellowship Fellowship with each other, but fellowship with God too. And when you bring those type of offerings, what you're saying is, I want to fellowship with you. And that is a sweet offering for God. God wants our fellowship. If he says here in verse 29, I don't want you to hold back your grain or your offerings from your grain or your vats. What he's saying is, "I, I don't want you to hold back from fellowshipping with me. I don't want you to hold back from coming in close and having close personal relationship with me. And by the way, there's no way for you to give a right sacrifice without coming, drawing near to God. Not possible. If my life is a living sacrifice, then it has to be a continual drawing near to God and him drawing near to me. It's the only way for it to happen. It's the only way for it to work. And as you're studying, as as you're thinking about these offerings, the first principle that is given to the children of Israel about offerings as they've received the 10 commandments, the first one is do not, do not hold back your offerings of fellowship with God. I I think that is a neat uh, truth that the first offering instruction God gives in his word is don't hold back fellowship. Don't hold back fellowship. He wants to fellowship with you, and he wants us to fellowship with each other. Don't hold that back. If you give a little bit, and then so many people say, I go to church twice a month. I go to church. I go. What you're saying is that you're holding back something. You're holding back a little bit. I can't, and and for you young people who have young children, this is so important, so important that your children are raised in the fellowship. Because I deal with people who didn't grow up in church, and and they sincerely believe to have missed out on a lot, and they have. And I can remember when I was very young, very young, my parents were young parents. They were in their late 20s and early 30s. We would miss church about every other week when I was five, six, seven, eight years old. We did. It was just that time of life. My dad was a state senator in Montgomery. My mom was working all kinds of shifts, early in the morning shifts, late into the night shifts. And about every other Sunday, I can remember if if Lost in Space came on, we weren't going. I would be ready, dressed, ready to go, sitting there watching TV. And if we ever got to Lost in Space and once Lost in Space came on, we weren't going to go. And it was always a disappointment for me. And I don't even really know why when I was that young, but it was a disappointment for me. And then all of a sudden my, my dad figured it out. And you, those of you who knew my dad thought, saw him as somewhat of a spiritual giant, but, and he was in many ways, but, but. He wasn't always that way. And none of us are always what God eventually makes us into, but we have to grow into it. And he, he figured it out. He figured out the important things. And from that moment on, we didn't miss on Sunday. There wasn't any lost in space. I never watched lost in space again. We were gone. We were at church. We were in the fellowship and that had great reward for me. And it's been, and it's turned out to be a great reward for, for my family. Because both my daughters and my son-in-law are active, important parts of their church. And it's not my church. It's the church where they live. And uh, I'm very proud of that. Very proud of uh, who they are because they serve God. And they don't hold back their offering of fellowship. They don't do that. And, and so you young families, you, you will reap great reward by being faithful to this with your children. Because it will be a great reward for your children down the road. Don't hold back. Don't hold back your grain offerings and your vats. You must give the firstborn of your sons. Now, he said, let me read, the, finish reading verse twenty-nine and thirty and thirty-one. You must give the firstborn of your sons. Do the same with your cattle and your sheep. Let them stay with their mothers for seven days, but then, but give them to me on the eighth day. You are to be my holy people. So do not eat meat of an animal torn by wild beasts. Throw it into, Throw it into the dogs. Now, the, this offering that is mentioned here, God first mentions fellowship offering, but this, interestingly, he doesn't mention the tithe, and that seems like the offering that everybody is, discusses. In all actuality, he doesn't even mention the tithe, tithe here. He mentions the first fruit offering, and you go, what is the first fruit offering? That's the offering where you offer up the first of anything that God starts doing that's great. And so uh, for them it would have been their children and the animals because that's really all they had. But for us there is innumerable things. The first fruit from a business endeavor, the first fruit from your your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren and your first fruit from the first fruit from your buying a new house or, or purchasing property. And you go, how do I work that out? See, that's the neat thing about a first fruit offering is it's the first and you have to figure it out as you go. But but each and everything, if you start, and and this is really the whole point of a first fruit offering, is to get your mind to understand and to see that everything that you have comes from God. And so I give him the first of everything that I have. If it's the first thing that happens in my life, I give it to God. I give it as a first fruit offering to God for the great things he has done for me and and as we do that and as we consider that you begin to see all kinds of opportunities to give an offering and notice i'm not saying giving necessarily an offering to the church it may be an offering to the poor maybe an offering to a ministry that has something to do with what you're involved in it may be it can be all kinds of offerings but it's an offering that comes from the first I remember that I offered my first daughter when she was born to God and it's been a great joy to have done that. I offered my second one too. And so it, it it's not like it's a, it's a continual thing. The first of their lives were important and I wanted to, I want God to be a part of that. So they were prayed over right when they came out of the womb. And and I think about all the different ministries and all the different opportunities God's given me and how they were sovereignly placed in my life by God. And God gives and God takes away and God's in charge and God's the one who makes all things good and right for us. And so as you're going through life, God wants you to continually in your mind, he wants you to continually understand he wants fellowship with you. And he wants you to continually understand in your mind that he's sovereign, he's in control, he's the one that is doing these things for you, and that you ought to, in your heart and in your mind, you ought to place that emphasis on him and say, you are the source of, of all good things, and I want to offer the first part of it back to you. And as you do that, as you do that, you... You all of a sudden begin to orient your life toward God, the fellowship with God, the fellowship with other believers, the first things in all my life come from him. And then all of a sudden, everything that happens in your life, you relate to how God is and who God is and how he works and what he does. And before you know it, your heart and your mind are being saved. And that's the whole point of sacrifice is that we would understand and begin to live out the salvation that God has given us and we would begin to to exercise that salvation in every possible way. And so we do that he noticed he said do it with your firstborn sons, do it with your cattle, with your sheep, let them stay with their mother for 7 days but then give them the 8th day. What what he's saying is enjoy what God's given you, but then give it to God. And this was not this was not child sacrifice. This was that taking place in Samuel's life when he was given to the priest for work in the temple. It's not a it's not child sacrifice. It's the giving God the first of everything. Him, he's he, he, whatever you want to do with this one right here. This is yours, God. This is the first, and we see that happening throughout Scripture where God. God takes the first of a family, the first of, of the fruits of people's labor, and he does great things with them. And then finally, he says, you are to be a holy people. Do not eat the meat of an animal torn by a wild beast. Throw it to the dogs. And this is a, it's a little bit late in the Bible study, but basically this is a picture of uh, wild beasts are always a picture of fallen angels and and demons, dogs particularly wild dogs are pictures of the demonic and wild beasts are pictures of of fallen angels and the fallen world so what he's saying is don't consume things from from the world don't take those things you cast them out and let the dogs eat them let your own personal animals eat them don't eat or consume from the world and i think that kind of speaks for itself doesn't it uh-